My Heat are in a free fall. Patrick's Suns are on the rise. Usually when the sun rises, the heat rise with it, but I guess not in the basketball world. We're also doing some post-trade deadline predictions. Let's get into foul trouble. Patrick, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Amazing Super Bowl. Amazing Super Bowl. One of the better Super Bowls. I don't even know. It's like best Super Bowl since. Uh, let's see. Last year's was really good, too, though. The Eagles Chiefs was that really good. True. That is true. I don't know. The Super Bowl's like usually really good. Yeah. We don't have that many bad ones. We don't have many Patriots, Rams, yeah. Super Bowls. That was a that was not where, a good one. Where did you watch the Super Bowl? Downstairs. There we go. On my couch. Very much enjoyed it. You know, I'm... I don't know why. I feel like I'm always pitted against the San Francisco teams. I think it's like an L.A. thing. You just can't root for San Fran. No, man. no, they're like our enemy, bro. And Niners, you know, as a New York Giants fan, they're always in our way when we wanted. Like they were kind of. I don't know. We had to beat them to go to the Super Bowl in 2011. I've never really loved the Niners that much. But I, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, the Niners have never done anything nice well, for you're the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. <laughs> uh, also, I don't know. I love Mahomes and Kelsey. I want to yeah, see the train so keep rolling. If my team three and four years, I was thinking about it. I feel like what we're dealing with with Mahomes, like legacy talk in NFL circles, is almost if like LeBron came first. And then Michael Jordan played. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. Because I feel like with LeBron, there was ne- there's never been the energy of like, like, obviously he's more talented than Michael Jordan. Like that, that's yeah. just not something anyone has ever said. But with Mahomes, it's just like the dude is <laughs> like, did you see what he did on yeah. that fourth and one? Like he can just do anything. Dude, yeah, it's crazy because like that final drive, there's like a, a couple third downs and fourth downs, and it's like it's supposed to be nervous. And I'm like, dude, it's Patrick Mahomes. They're gonna get the like they're gonna score. They're gonna score. Yeah, that I I just couldn't stop thinking about that one play where he like took that like big like pump, and you you could tell that he wanted to just chuck it downfield, but he made the right play and he he passed it on like some screen or something. And it's he's just so yeah. so sick. Like last thing from that game, he that I know they fumbled the next play, but that like fifty yard pass, like he threw that like across the field. Like we 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 when we were watching, we we're like, how many air yards was that? We're like, that's a sixty yard throw. Oh yeah, and he's just like flicking it, flicking, dude. He's unbelievable. I he, love I love watching Mahomes, man. Yeah, no, I'm right there. I I'm such a big Tom Brady stan, and at the same time, I'm like completely okay with. Yeah, you can like them both. There's no reason not to like both. Best Patrick athlete ever. I gotta say. Oh yeah, it's him and Patrick Star. Yeah, the top two. All right, let's let's get to basketball. Um, so coincidentally, this episode is about our favorite teams, the Heat and the Suns. Let's start with the Heat. Uh, so both of these teams kind of had, you know, in the Heat's case, a really rough patch, a seven-game losing streak. In the Suns' case, they had like an eight and two stretch. Um, both of them have kind of normalized back to that like four and six, six and four range. But still, I feel like two teams that are kind of fun to talk about, given in the preseason where we felt about both of these teams as title contenders. Um, so the Heat are twenty-eight and twenty-five. They're eighth in the East. They are three games ahead of the Bulls, who are ninth. Um, up and down. The advanced stat row, they're a mirror image of last year's regular season Heat team. They're like 23rd in points per possession this year, 25th last year. They have like the same turnover percentage. Um, a concerning thing about this year's Heat team, they're taking by far the most mid-range jump shots in the NBA. 36.5% of their shots are coming from mid-range. They're 28th in rim attempts, 15th in three-point attempts. Usually that kind of shot profile is not very strong. They're making up for it by being ninth in mid-range efficiency, but... You don't really want to be a top 10 mid-range efficiency team if it's being coupled with taking the most mid-range attempts. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a place that I feel like the Suns are constantly striving to join the Heat with. So where are you with like the Heat? Like, Has anything changed from your feelings about the Heat preseason to now? I thought this Heat team was going to be a stronger regular season team than last year's Heat team. And part of the reason I thought that was because I think when people saw us lose like Caleb Martin and Struess, like Struess hurt Martin or not Caleb Martin. When we lost Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent really wasn't providing that much to the heat during the regular season last year. So losing him, I didn't think was going to affect the regular season too much. Um, I figured somebody would step up. Obviously, Haywood Highsmith has been the starter for a lot of these games. So 
he's kind of filled in. Struess is pretty good. We do miss him for sure. I think the thing that's concerning me is Jimmy Butler on the surface level stats looks kind of similar, but like advanced stats, it's a lot of the things I'm talking about before where it's like rim percentage is down a little bit. A lot less of the shots are coming off his own creation. There's just a lot of numbers that suggest Jimmy's kind of taking a step back that isn't quite as obvious when you're watching the game. But I think there's still this thing where it's like when Jimmy shoots, the team is a lot better. And when Jimmy doesn't shoot, the team is not very good. The team is not good. Like when I went to those two games in Miami, the first game against the Suns, Jimmy didn't really shoot the ball much and we lost. And then the second game against the Kings, Jimmy was being really aggressive and we won. And I don't want to boil it down to like, if Jimmy shoots a lot, we win a lot, but it is like one of those things where it's like, he's so good at drawing fouls still. It's like those little things that win you a basketball game. Um, But one reason I want to talk about the Heat today is because from Jimmy Butler's agent, Jimmy Butler has been granted a leave of absence as he deals with the death of a family member. So we're going to be without Jimmy for a while. Then the Heat's next five games are Milwaukee, 76ers, Pelicans, Kings, and Trailblazers. So not an impossible stretch, not an easy stretch, just kind of a very average five-game stretch ahead of them. And I think this is one of those things where it's like, they kind of need to hold the ship together because even though they have a three-game lead on the Bulls, like that could subside if like they don't kind of pick up the pace a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think with the pace that the Heat have kind of been playing at all season with, like you said, it, it feels like they're completely in the games that they can really get up for. And then there's other games where it's just kind of like, yeah, like they almost it's a Wednesday beat, night. They almost beat the Celtics yesterday without Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's so, it's such a heat thing. The good thing for the heat is I feel like no matter how the rest of the season goes, we we don't know what Jimmy Butler's timeline is to get back. Of course, it's not like it's not an injury, so it's not something we can really put a, a timeline on. But it would be really hard for them to fall out of the plan. Yeah, they're so, not going to fall out of the like, plan. Like, I don't see, like, the Nets are 19 and a half games back, and the Heat are basically six and a half games ahead of them. So it can get really, really bleak. And as long as they have Jimmy, they would be more or less in the same exact, exact position that they were in last year. But um, yeah, I mean, this this five game stretch is huge because ideally you want to get out of out of that play in range and, and up to the top six, which they're a game and a half out of right now. Yeah. My my one, you know, thing for optimism is they defensively, they don't allow like any shots at the rim. Mm-hmm. They're third in opposing attempts at the rim. And I think that's one of those things that it's why this team kind of seems to like always outperform their like net rating and all that. It's because they're just like, you know what? We're going to make you play a high variance jump shooting game, even though we play that too. And like, we'll see who shoots the ball better tonight. And I think that's kind of where this team wins a lot, especially when Jimmy's jumper gets going. Cause all of a sudden you've got Jimmy, you've got hero, you've got Robinson and it's like, okay, this is a lot to deal with a lot of movement and DHOs and stuff flying around on offense. So the last heat game that I watched was the sun's heat game that happened like, Oh, two weeks ago or whatever. Uh-huh. It was pretty concerning seeing the Terry Rozier, Tyler hero defensive backcourt in practice. And I'm going to like totally yield to you on this because you have watched them more comprehensively than I have. But was that a just that night thing against book and Beal and Katie and all the chaos that the Suns bring or like, how is that trending? Well, I think like you saw it in that Suns game. The Heat went to their zone that game because I don't. I, I'm sure Spolstra knows like playing a lot, a lot of man with those Hero Rozier lineups is kind of death. And to be honest, the Heat have not been great in any Rozier lineup. Yeah, sample size is small. Obviously, he's played with kind of a big, you know, variety of lineups. But there isn't really a great Rozier lineup that the Heat have yet. Um, with any of their lineups that have played more than even like. 20 possessions which is way too small of a sample size to judge but like yeah the early returns on Rozier have not been great um he hasn't boosted the offense as much as he would hope for how much he might offset hurt them on defense and I think you're gonna see more of that zone from the heat and the one benefit of the zone is you do 
turn it into a more high variance game because you are enticing the other team to take more jump shots. Yeah, and you can kind of like let Bam be a little bit more of that free safety role when if you're forcing them to take jump shots, you've got that like efficiency win of teams taking jump shots, but also Bam can kind of be in the mid range and do that. All those things that is the reason why both of us picked him for defensive player of the year this year. Yeah. And I think like what's interesting to think about this Heat team too is this is a team that recently had a seven game losing streak and they're 28 and 25. Yeah. So like they're still a good team. Obviously, they haven't been playing like it in a month, but like I, I would be surprised if they're not eight or seven. Like they're, go- I think they are going to win the play in and be a playoff team. I, I would be kind of surprised if they weren't. So here's where it gets interesting though. If they end at eight, they've got Boston in round one. They're 0-3 against Boston. Two close games and one blowout loss. If they end at seven, they're 1-1 one one versus the Cavs. They're 0-2 versus the Bucks, And they're 0-2 versus the Knicks. It's not great against the top of the East. No, not great against the top of the East. So let's see, like, I don't know. They've got one more game against Milwaukee. I think they have one more against the Knicks. And I think one more against the Cavs. Like, let's see them be competitive in those games. Yeah, and if they're not, maybe we do need to sound the alarm bells. Rethink a few things about the Heat because, like we say the whole, the entire season, like the Heat are a team that kind of seduce you into like just throwing away every stat in the book and just believing blindly, believing in them. But but that can only go on for so. Yeah, long. they usually beat the good teams. Yeah, they, you know, and it, it's the. Tuesday night against Charlotte that it's just like, how did, how did I, the Heat lose I this? I will say, though, as a Heat fan, man, like, I don't know what it is, but Boston doesn't scare me. <laughs> like, I don't think we're going to beat them, but I don't go into that series thinking we're going to get, like, swept. Yeah. I kind of go into that series thinking, like, we can beat them. Well, I feel like it, it should be less that Boston doesn't scare you and more that Miami really scares Boston. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like I don't know. They don't want to play us. Shook. Yeah. Like yesterday, like they beat us, but it's like, man, Jimmy didn't play. And like, I don't know, man. Okay, I want to ask you one more thing about uh Terry Rozier. Of course, yeah. like one of the bigger moves that we saw this year at any time. He was adver- averaging 23 points on just over just over 18 shot attempts a game for Charlotte. And now he's down to 12 shot attempts a game and averaging around 12 points. How has his fit been on the offensive side of the ball? I think he's still kind of working in the kinks. I mean, the one thing that's really hard about this Heat team is they just, like, they play so different. They, they run so much offense through Hero in the regular season. Like, so much offense runs through Hero. And I feel like it's all going to tilt toward Jimmy when it when it becomes like nut crunch time so that's why it's like kind of tough i mean he's he's been okay i don't know it's like i don't think his isolation is really what this team needs to be honest because they have hero but i don't know it's 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 what you got yeah i mean i do like that they're putting a more aggressive shooter on the court than lowry i think that's really big for this team yeah it it definitely changes the game on offense but also it's an asset play that you kind of got to make like when you can cash in a guy that's near the end it's pretty much over for kyle lowry maybe we can talk about him going to the sixers a little bit but um it might be a step down in certain areas but you've got that asset and terry rosier to go go forward with so i feel like it definitely is a worthwhile endeavor even though the fit has been i think worse than yeah it was billed yeah i think so too all right, should we talk about a fun team, a team that's uh, on the on the rise, even though they lost a tough one to the Warriors? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns. 31-22. They're 17-7 and seven since Christmas. Tied with New Orleans in the standings. Probably unlikely to go higher than fifth, given the gap. But yeah, it would be pretty hard. The floor is yours. You know, I mean, with the Suns, There's been so much made about the fourth quarter struggles and the fourth quarter struggles have been super real. Like they've been literally one of the worst fourth quarter teams of all time, which I think is a huge reason to pause about the Suns. But what I think the stats don't really grasp about what the Suns season has been so far is really looking at that 22 point comeback 
I think about a month ago at this point against the Kings. Ever since that happened, I think this uh, we've seen a completely new side of this team. They still find a way to like lose fourth quarters, but the offense, the absolute high, 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 high octane, high efficiency offense that we thought we were going to get from the start of the season, which of course was interrupted by the craziest of injury luck, just like perfectly lapping over the same day one of the big three goes out and another one comes back in. They're finally becoming the team that I I thought they were going to be over the, I think I'm pretty sure over the last 15 games, they have the best offensive rating in the league. They've been kind of jockeying back and forth with the Clippers, but that kind of tells you exactly what, what level of offense that they really are. Their net rating has been a top 10 net rating over the last like 20 ish games um, as well. They've had such big boons in the Grayson Allen addition has worked out in such an insane way. Like not only just him knocking down half of his three pointers, shooting, shooting like 49% from three, him being able to at least do a little bit on the defensive end that I think was more than we expected has been amazing. And then the last person I want to talk about is Nurkic. Of course, he got into a little scuttlebutt with uh, Draymond Green, but he has been, let alone what he's done on, on the court for the Suns, which has really transformed their offense. They're able to play through him as kind of like a big distributor. He he can take the ball and, and bring it down the court, which is really awesome for a team that's dependent on superstar guards. But he's just been like, he is their enforcer. He is kind of their leader He in certain spots. He has been such a win and such a black and white change from what DeAndre Ayton was bringing in terms of intangibles. He, he doesn't have the like Adonis body that DeAndre Ayton has, but he has been really, really so, so great for them and is part of... One of the best, uh, of course, it's not super high minutes, minute load yet, but one of the top 10 best um, five-man lineups in the league. They've got two of the best Is low minute. Is that the uh, big three plus Grayson Allen and Nurkic lineup? Yes. yes that, that, out, that, that lineup has a 129 offensive rating. Just like yeah. insane. Scorch. And then the other lineup is you sub out... Um, who is I think you you sub out Nurkic or there's one with Eric Gordon that is also probably Gordon and for Allen really yeah, yeah. yeah Gordon and for Allen is also really really or Gordon and for Beal is who it is is really 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 good um, but what are you seeing I'm talking all about the Suns so I was really kind of excited about the Suns I love that the starting lineup is their best lineup. I think that's a good sign for a team that's probably going to be playing really, really big minutes. I think the fourth quarter thing, it's one of those things that I feel like I think a lot of the time when we talk about basketball, it's attributed to the mental side of things. But I do think it's one of these things where this is a team that relies heavily on its big three and you're putting a lot of minutes on these guys. And it's like one of those small things that like once you get fatigued, it's a little bit tougher to hit those jump shots. Yeah, absolutely. It's so mental, dude. Like they're getting the same shots. But I don't know if it's mental as much as it is physical in that they're just – you get tired. You get fatigued over the course of an NBA basketball game, right? Like they're not putting themselves – and I think that is a big problem. Like you saw it in that Denver series last year. Like when Nurk, or when KD and you know Booker are hitting the whole game, it's great. But it's just hard to sustain some of the shots Booker takes. Oh, absolutely. Booker takes a, absolutely. and Durant take a lot of tough shots, man. A lot of tough shots. So my big thing when I was doing some film study on this team was I, this defending the point guard issue. So right now the Suns overall are 14th in defense. They have 115.7 net rating. Not terrible. Um, so I, I was like, why is this team kind of so bad against like point guards? And it seems like Beal's pretty bad at screen navigation defensively. Um, also, he's not the greatest lateral athlete. And then obviously once they're, you know, a speedy guard is attacking Nurkic in space, that's putting the Suns in a bind. And I'm 
I'm a little, there's two things that worry me. I'm a little worried this team doesn't have enough like versatility defensively when it comes to the playoffs. I'm a little worried that a spread pick and roll is a little bit of an unsolvable problem for this team unless they want to go like really, really small. Which yeah. could have its own set of cascading problems. I mean, they've seen a lot <laughs> of success when they go to their KD at the five lineup. I referenced that uh, Sacramento Kings game. That whole run was KD at the five, put Eric Gordon in instead of Nurkic. But yeah, I mean, I think the general plan right now to deal with this spread pick and roll situation is we got to score more points yeah. than the other team. Which, like, to a certain extent, when you lock yourself into a Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant team, that is what you're you're leaning towards. But I think you're right on base with that. And But I do find it, I think it's kind of an interesting place to bring up the Royce O'Neal edition. And, or actually, say a few more, you have a couple more stats about the point guard I don't have that many more, other than, stuff. like, the Suns... Fantasy points are not real points, but they allow the third most fantasy points to point guards. I don't know. Stat Muse like said the Suns have allowed like nineteen thousand points this year, and I was like, this is not the query that I searched for. Um, Stat Muse just never gives me what I want ever, ever. But I can I can give you a big picture stat that I think is kind of interesting about the Suns. Yeah. So the Suns have the strongest remaining strength of schedule. Yes, they and do. It's, it's by a lot. Yeah. Um, this team still has ten games out of their twenty nine, so a little. A smidge over a third of their games are against Celtics, Timberwolves, Clippers, Nuggets, and Thunder. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, and it's weird. It's actually all in March, too. They're all super compact together. I kind of like it for the Suns. I feel like come March, bearing health. That's the time where they got to kind of nut up and go against the really, really good teams. And they've gotten themselves record-wise into kind of an okay place where it's like, if you can get 50% of those games, you're sitting pretty. But yeah, it is definitely going to test them big time, especially going up against a lot of really intense guards. But I'm a little optimistic about their ability to start guarding guards and, and wings a little bit more effectively one be, because of the Royce O'Neal signing and not necessarily because of his defense but because of what he can do on offense we we've been playing so many lineups with guys like Kieta Bates Diop and guys like Yuta Watanabe who like when you hear the name Yuta Watanabe you think oh the other the opposing team is going to be guarding this guy not at all. And those guys are always playing next to Josh Akogi, who is literally the only guy that can guard anyone on our team. And so having a Royce O'Neal that can actually spread the floor and give make those Josh Akogi minutes not absolutely untenable from an offensive perspective, I'm really excited because anyone that has been replacing but, KD has just like, absolutely submarined this team but aren't you getting shooting from yuda no he he's shot like 32 percent this Ooh, year okay he, he was, was not a good absolutely this year. awful the idea of yuda yes <laughs> i was really excited about yuda and that is why we traded yuda watanabe yeah he was they literally were not guarding him at all and it was the same thing with Kieta Bates Diop. And those guys were getting so many minutes. Same thing with Shemezi Metu. Shemezi Metu, no one was guarding him at all. At least Royce O'Neal is a guy that, like, you're going to send a guy over to guard Royce O'Neal. He's done it a little bit in the playoffs. So I really, that's why I really liked that trade, at least from an asset standpoint, is we've been getting good minutes from Bull Bull. You're going to guard him. Um, you've been getting good minutes from Josh Kogi on the defensive side, amazing minutes. And so now the rotation just makes that much more sense. And I'm really interested to see what the Suns look like with kind of eight solid guys. You've, you've got your five starters and then you've got Grayson, you, or you've got Eric Gordon, you've got Royce O'Neal. And you've got whatever big they're going with that day, Bull Bull or Drew Eubanks or yeah. whatever's going on. 
I, I'm a little, I'm a little worried. I'm just, I'm, you I'm should little, be. I'm you should I'm, be. I'm also just like, I've heard this one too. Like Nurkic is approaching like the most games he's played in the season. Yes, and that it's is like, Bill Simmons' favorite yeah. stat. Um, hey, but he's been healthy. He's been good. Um, all right. So I guess the question is big picture. This team is not going to get into the top four. We don't think, especially with the strength of schedule of the Timberwolves, Clippers, Thunder, and Nuggets. Which team are you hoping is the draw? Um. I am probably hoping for the Thunder out, out of that group. I, I'm always willing. They don't have like the craziest positional size a- anywhere across the front line. So I, I'm willing to gamble with our shot making against theirs. There. Like they're, they're all really great teams. And also Nurkic, although sometimes this gets him in really quick foul trouble, he loves to play really physical. And I think that's the way... Chet is going to be schemed against in, in the playoffs. And I think Chet in a Suns Thunder series will have at least two or three really big games against the Suns. But I think once you get deeper and deeper into a series like that, it's going to start hurting because Nurkic is a legitimately giant man. He's, I think he's like the, like, a top five weight guy in the entire league. So that's who I would probably pick if I had to, let's see, if I had to rank those top four, I'd go OKC one. I would go honestly. Yeah. Probably Timberwolves two, Denver three Clippers four. Wow. You'd rather play the, the nuggets than the Clippers. Yeah. Fully, fully fleshed out. I would, because I, I think we've seen, a path for the Suns to be successful against the Nuggets. Uh, the they are not crazy deep l- like we are, so it's kind of a war of attrition of our stars going back and forth. And the the Clippers are just built in a lab to <laughs> really give the Suns problems. Yeah, Kawhi, you couldn't make a better guy to guard KD. You you'd never have to double him when you have Kawhi on the court. Um, PG, it's perfect guy to guard book as well. Not that like they're going to get their own. You're not going to shut down Devin Booker ever, but, um, it's just a a really, really tough matchup and they're amazing isolation players. So you're going to have Devin Booker guarding in space. You're going to have Bradley Beal guarding in space. You're going to have Katie guarding in space. It's just a really tough place to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm excited to see who the Suns draw because that is going to be a, a exciting first round series. All right, D- do you want to do our a little some post trade deadline predictions? I've got two. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's do some post post trade deadline p- predictions. <laughs> what do you got? All right, uh, I think my post trade deadline predictions are basically the Jidel bias special. There for we both, go. But there we go. You know what? I feel really confident in them. I think the Mavericks are going to actually get the four of the five seed. They're <laughs> okay, four or five, four or five. That's, they're that's one game back from Phoenix and New Orleans, so they're literally only one game back right now. Gafford trade like this is a team that's finally gonna have consistency at the big man spot. Also, Gafford is the most athletic, like proper big Luca's ever gonna play with. This guy was made in a lab to play with Luca his first game. They've routed the Thunder, they looked amazing. Washington gave them a more interior presence. That they were kind of missing outside of their stars and their like lob threat catching. They have the 28th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Woo. I think they're kind of just poised to go all the way up to four, especially because Phoenix has their such a tough schedule and they're only one game ahead. Well, they're not going to get up to the four. I can guarantee you that they're not catching. Or not the four. Sorry. I mean the, the five, five or the six. six. The five or the six. But I, I figured I, I, that's what you meant. Six. Yeah, I the five or the six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're going to avoid the plan. Yeah, Okay. Okay, yeah, I can see. It's just going to be, it's for any of those teams, I would not bet for any of those teams to make it because it's so, it's so close. You know, if you shake up the bag, you could end up with a Suns Mavericks 7 8 play in. Like, it's just all so crazy close. It's hard to say, but uh, like, they did look amazing against the Thunder. You were, you texted into the group chat, like, I would be terrified if I was a Thunder fan of playing the Mavericks in the first yeah, round. Yeah, they just beat them up on the glass. I'm like, when was the last time we saw the Mavericks beat anybody up on the glass? Yeah, not, I can't think of And like, of look, ever. as good as Shea has been, man, like, give me Luka. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, 
that that would be a really tough matchup for the Thunder. But yeah. I would love to see it. Yeah, I'd love to see it too. But man, if I'm one of those top four teams, I would not want to play this Mavs teams. Unless I'm Denver. If I'm Denver, I'm like, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, please give us the Mavericks. We'll crush them. The the Mavericks have no shot versus the Nuggets. They've just kind of been owned by them for a while now. But I don't know. Those other teams, I would not want to play them. Um, do you have a prediction or you want me to go into my second one? Yeah, yeah. I'll go into, into my first one. My first prediction is that the 76ers are not going to fall out of the top six seeds. Okay. I have just seen so much kind of inconsistency from all the teams below them right now and the indianas of the world the magic of the world the heat of the world there just isn't two of those teams that i feel confident enough to outpace the sixers like the sixers are two games ahead of the pacers right now they're two and a half games in front of the magic i think that joel Embiid has done just enough to keep his team from falling into play-in range. And honestly, that is number one priority right now for the Sixers. If they can get back Joel Embiid by the time the playoffs are there and they don't have to play Boston in the first round, like that is mission All accomplished. All bets are off. They could get right there. there. Yeah. And, and who knows what happens at that point. You know, with how they've played, with just the inconsistencies that we've seen from Boston over the last half decade... Who knows? Who knows what could happen? Who knows? Yeah, I like that one. Um, are you ready for mine? I think you're, you're going to hate this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm ready. If Ben Simmons stays healthy, the Nets make a real race for the 10 seed. So right now, they're 6-5 and five with Simmons. Four of those losses are two to Dallas, two to the Cavs. The team they have to catch is the Hawks, who have been kind of bleh. Okay. They have a back-to-back series with the Hawks at the end of the month. Patrick, in the 94 minutes Ben Simmons has played since he's came back from injury, they're outscoring the other team by 26, and that includes a 20-minute negative 26 outing versus Cleveland. So if you take out this one disaster game, the Nets are 74 minutes plus 52 with Simmons on the court. I, I did some film study. Dude, he gives their offense like a lot of structure because without him, it's a lot of like cam thomas chucking yeah no one can really create he, on that team. when he like when he's out there it really does like give them a lot more rim pressure because he's actually being a little bit more aggressive than he was like last year with the nets and like two years ago with the sixers like he's actually taking some like five foot turnaround fadeaways and stuff and like i don't know man i'm kind of in like he looks good like when you watch he looks he looks good so did you sign like a, a lifetime blood pact with, <laughs> with Sam Hankey? No, or, with Ben Simmons. <laughs> with Ben Simmons? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just have a hard time being like, if the Nets are a good team, this is all about Ben Simmons, the guy who can barely stay on the court. Um, okay. Like I'm they, with they've you. They've just been good in the Simmons minutes, and it like even the small big, sample small size, small sample size, winning record with him on when he plays. I'm, I'm kind there of in, man. It's just a fun run and gun team. It's kind of like the dream Ben Simmons team. Yeah, I mean, we always said that, right? <laughs> when it, when we were debating, when everyone was debating, like who do they move on with? Joel Embiid as the star or Ben Simmons as the star. I feel like the greater sentiment for a lot of that time was trade Joel Embiid, get some three and get some three and D wings around Ben Simmons, and you build this like jumbo shooting run and gun team. And is that not the Nets? That like, is the Nets. For the record, I never, I always thought Joel was the keeper, but like, yeah, I mean, this is, this team is built for Ben to like succeed on. Now, the one thing I don't like is they play him at the five a lot, mm. which has been great on their offensive end when he gets just a rebound and they're flying up the court and he's got Mikel on one side and Cam on the other. But like, I don't, I don't really like playing him at center because it's not great defensively. Yeah, no, no. He's like, he, he, he plays center just about as much as for, uh, other number one overall pick DeAndre Aiden wants to play center and that's not at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my take. I, I don't know if, I don't think they're going to catch the Hawks. They actually have a back to back against the Celtics to start out this post prediction run. So I think they're going to get off to a rough start here on my prediction run, but I do think if he stays healthy, they can really kind of make a go at this 10 seed with the Hawks, especially if they can, if they can, if they somehow go two and zero on that back to back, like 
it's real. Like they could really get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's not a crazy take. I, it doesn't sit right with me. (laughs) You are definitely right. Feels very wrong to me to give any like flowers to Ben Simmons at this point in his career. I'm not ready to co-sign on any of that, but I'm going to turn my head while you sign your name to that and just act like it didn't happen. Okay. Okay. When you opened up that Ben Simmons stat page, was there like dust on the on the page? I like, did. I actually had to get my like broom out and start sweeping away at it. Like, um, dude, was there like a pop up window that was like, "Thank you for visiting this page. Nobody has been here for yeah. years." Sorry, go ahead. Patrick. Oh no, no, you're good. Okay, my my last um my last prediction for the rest of the season. And I'm sorry, this is going to probably hurt you more than anyone. That's fine. Max. I can take it. My, my last prediction is if one of the Clippers, Thunder, or Nuggets end up with the number one seed in the West, their best player is going to win MVP. I, oh, okay. I just think that's that's how it... That's how it plays out in my mind. I think that will be the final bump for whoever's um, MVP candidacy like ends up winning. I think it could be Kawhi. He has so much juice behind him at this point. The Clippers have been so good for so long in this season. I know his stats don't scream modern day MVP, but I think he's just been so good and people are so happy to see him playing the way he is. There, his counting stats have been good enough to be like there's also this like invisible defensive like aura to him that makes him the MVP. Of course, Jokic super easy to argue that he's the MVP. Uh, I think if the Nuggets get the top seed, it's just like okay, best player, best team, NBA like reigning Finals MVP, give it to him. And then Shea, if the Thunder can make it through and get that number one seed in the West that we has since preseason have been saying like, it's going to be a dog fight. Like it's going to be one of these like epic, epic conference battles. Like we've seen very few times in NBA history in a single conference. I think that would get his, I'm, I don't think he's the best. Like we were talking about it earlier. I don't think he's better than Luca, but I think if he gets the number one seed, seed? Yeah. I think he deserves MVP. Because that's it's a regular season award, and who who had the Thunder getting the first seed in the West in this year? You didn't have them. I had. I was really high on the Thunder. I know you were high. I on was them. really high on the Thunder. But you, I don't <laughs> think true. anybody. I, I, I did pick the Denver to pick the first seed. I still um, rolling with Denver, but but I that's that's how I feel. I think it's it's going to be from one of those three teams. One of those guys is going to win it. Jason Tatum, I'm sorry, your team's too good. You you disqualified yourself. Quibble with Brad Stevens. I like to take. I do have a question though, because okay. if if Boston, I don't think it'll happen. But if Boston were to have slip up, and Cleveland got the number one seed, can Mitchell be the MVP then? Because if you're gonna argue team record, I mean Mitchell's doing more with less than anyone in the West. I think damn that rhymes. It would, He's got to be MVP now. Yeah. <laughs> it's because the Cavs have the third best record in the league right now. Yeah, like Donovan Mitchell. Like I watched some Cleveland when I was doing my film study for my Ben Simmons take, and like, dude, he's just no, he's he's, he's awesome. On fucking believe, I, no one's watching the Cavs. Like Mitchell is so good. It's crazy that he's not starting in the All Star game. I yeah, like yeah, he, it is crazy. He, honestly, I know when we did our initial picks, like I had Halliburton. We both had Halliburton as like the go-to lock. Is like he has to be the starter. It's really about the other spot. Now for me, like Mitchell's the go-to lock. Yeah, especially with the games played. Okay, yeah. here's my answer for this. Mitchell could win the MVP if he gets the first seed, and the West's first seed as a worst record is the Clippers. Okay. I okay. think he would win it over Kawhi and maybe the Thunder. I don't see any scenario where the Denver gets the first seed in the West and um, Mitchell ends up winning it over him. Yeah. I think also maybe if the Timberwolves end up getting the first seed, then if Mitchell overcomes or the Cavs overcome the Celtics, then he could maybe win it as well. I'm sorry, Ant. I, I don't see it for you, buddy. I think the one thing that could really 
especially because MVP a lot of its narrative, right? And I think one thing that kind of helps people is when you struggle first and then you become good. Yes. And I think you don't think there's a world where even though obviously one of those teams will be the one seed, like if the maps get up to five and like kind of push for four, I feel like the Luka MVP narrative is going to be really strong because he's going to have he's going to have the counting stats. Uh, he's going to have a massive edge over all of those guys. I, it's not that massive though. Like he's averaging like thirty four points a game. Thirty four like. points a game. <laughs> but these other guys are averaging like thirty points a game. Like it, it's I don't know I, I, if they. But it's not just that. It's like it's like he's thirty four points a game. He's also nine point four assists. Yeah, I mean Shea's leading the league in steals. That's like, true, but yeah, I mean that's true. I don't know. It's just I feel like with yeah, I mean we'll see. I don't know. It's yeah, take. I, I, I don't. I, I like the take. I think it's it, it's just tough for me to get there with with Luca with the other performances being what they are. If Luca's statistical pro- profile just dwarfed all the other guys, it would be a different conversation. But like he's never gonna dwarf. A yeah. guy like Jokic, you know, you, you'll always be able to turn to a few stats if it's all stats based, which is what it would be for Luca mm-hmm. to be like, oh, well, this guy's doing this. Like, I know Luca's great, but it's a regular season award. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, I guess this is setting up for the Shea MVP season. I don't know. Shea has been awesome. He's awesome. He's, He's awesome. unstoppable. Yeah. He's completely unstoppable. It just, it feels so wrong, man. Embiid was just. Yeah, it is. It is. Like, I saw some graphic that was like, Luca's averaging the most points in February. And I was like, Joel Embiid averaged 40 points in like five games in February before he got hurt or January. Like, are we just going to forget this guy existed? Yeah. I mean, that's what the NBA <laughs> wants you to do, I guess. <sighs> it's, it's sad. All right. Are we get to best take, worst take? Yeah, let's get to best take, worst take. Um, okay. Um, honestly, I don't really have, or I'll tee it I up. might have to think about my best take, but yeah, why don't you tee us off? So if you're new every Monday, Patrick and I go over the best takes of the media landscape and the worst takes of the media landscape, the worst takes, we choose the worst take of the week. We then we choose the worst take of the month at the end of the season. We're going to choose the worst take of the year and my best take, because I think it's funny. I don't even know if it's a good take. I'll be honest, but I feel like I've had this guy on worst takes so many times. I got to show him some love. It's, I've got Shaquille O'Neal. There we go. And the his, winner of last month's worst, worst take, take of the yeah, month. Yeah, he had horrible takes. But uh, his his take, quote, I'd have busted Wilt's ass. And you know what? I think he would have. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Absolutely. Yeah, shout out to Ben Taylor of Thinking Basketball pointed out that like 60% of Wilt's career shots were like turnaround jump shots. And part of that is because when Wilt played, you actually couldn't really lurch into the defender. They would call that an offensive foul. Like, Especially the, on Wilt. Yeah, that's probably a big reason why Wilt didn't play a super physical game, even though everyone thinks of him, and he was, like this physical monstrosity, but he didn't play like that. Also, his earlier years where he was putting up his 100-point games. Like, he wasn't built like Shaq. He was built uh, a a little bit more more slender. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I'm not taking anything away from Will, and I I really do think the rules are probably the reason he might have been more of a finesse big than people portray him as. But, yeah, you know what, Shaq? You were fucking awesome. You would have busted his ass. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm with it. I don't know if it's a good take. Like, truly, I don't know if he would have busted Will's ass, but I don't know what prompted him to say that. So I think it's funny. I just (laughs) think it's a good take because Shaq is still being the alpha big man in the NBA, and he's been retired for like 10 years. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My I I found my best take of the week. It went to um, this fast break breakfast podcast. It's a kind of Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Really, really big following. Super great podcast. But they tweeted on the day of the trade deadline, did the NBA use the trade deadline to news dump renaming the in-season tournament to the Emirates NBA Cup? Yes, they did. And they absolutely did. Yeah, oh, did you hear this. about that? I missed this completely. What happened? Oh, they, they worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, the, so the um, NBA Cup, the award for the in-season tournament, uh, is now branded by United Air- Emirates Airlines. Airlines. Which, of course, is the Saudi-owned airline. And it's like, okay, NBA, we've got some Saudi Saudi money. money. 
We're in. Okay, so it's just the cup that's renamed. It's just the cup that's renamed. They're still calling it the in-season tournament. Or it's the United Emirates in-season tournament. I'm not sure about the full in-season tournament, whether they sold the naming rights because they did such a good job at news dumping this. (laughs) But at least, at the bare minimum, the NBA Cup is sponsored by it. And, um, I mean, I see no problem with it. You know, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of reasons why... I understand why corporations don't want to deal with uh, companies based in Saudi Arabia or the Saudi Arabian government. And I do support a lot of those reasons to stay away from the Saudi Arabian money. But at the end of the day, there's already a bunch of Saudi money in the NBA, um, especially with our friends over in Washington. Big reason why they are changing a lot of things up, moving to Virginia, is they have a large bit of capital from a group from Saudi Arabia. But um, currently in NBA like ownership world, there I think it's it's some like very small amount. It's like ten percent of a team can be owned by a um, foreign entity. Foreign entity. So don't worry. I mean. I think that might change sooner rather than later, especially with like Live Golf doing what they're doing. You know, it's been a, a long time since the 70s when the NBA had to worry about a company coming in and paying more money to their players than they were able to. But the uh, scary thing for the NBA is all those contracts that the ABA was signing players to were fake and de- deferred money. And the United uh, Arab Emirates money and Saudi Arabian money, that's real money. Well, you know, if it relieves the Portland Trailblazers of DeAndre Ayton, I don't think they're going to (laughs) complain. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Wow. DA. DA could be the first live basketball superstar. I think he might be. He's built for it. Yeah. He wants to get that that third contract. You know, he's a max player and no one can take that away from him. He, is he a Max player and like his middle name is secretly Max or yeah. uh, it, that's just what uh, that's just what DeAndre Ayton said. Um, who has your worst take of the week? All right. So as we all know, yesterday was the biggest sporting event of the calendar year. Celtics at heat. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Jalen Brown. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but he almost Kelly Olynyk him. And by Kelly Olynyk him, I mean, he almost like broke and dislocated Duncan Robinson's arm. Mm, I did um, not see that. He got a flagrant one for this. And when asked about it in the Post King press conference, he said, quote, I bet he won't do it again. Wow. And yeah. Do what? Do what again? So basically, like Duncan is doing the pretty basic, like putting his arm around him. But basically what Brown did was he like coiled his arm around Duncan's and then shoved him while Duncan's hand was behind Jalen's back. Which, like, yeah, no, it made Duncan's arm going away. That's not supposed to go. It was a super dirty play. Yikes. Super, super dirty. Like, honestly, one of the dirtiest plays I've seen since Kelly did it to Kevin Love. And, like, I don't know, man. I don't know what's up with these Celtics and the the arm separating, but it's not cool. And, like, dude, like, come on, have some self awareness, man. So Jalen said, I bet Duncan won't Won't do it. it He won't come down there. Like, he won't. Try to play defense. I don't even know what he was trying to say. Okay. Because so, he was basically saying Duncan was like trying to do like a James Harden arm tie up. Okay. But like it but, was pretty standard like NBA shenanigans if you watch it back. So I'm like, I don't know, man. They hate each other. Yeah. Rivalry, baby. Yeah. I love it. It's like a He's got to even the playing field somehow. You know, he only has one arm. So he figured Duncan only should have one arm Damn. too. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> Oh, we got to find a, a Celtics fan to come on here and <laughs> fight with you. Yeah. <laughs> I have free reign to talk shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, see that, what's that one tweet where the guy tweets the like pro boxer and he's talking shit and the guy's like, I bet you won't see that to my face. And he's like, you're right. That's why I'm doing it on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's our whole podcast. Yeah. Just like wrapped up in one uh in one tweet. You're you're a Heat fan and a Lakers fan. So I think if a Celtics fan came into this house, their skin would start burning like when a demon goes into a yeah. church. <laughs> yeah, it would be fists immediately. <laughs> Absolutely immediately. <laughs> um, my worst take of the week is going to 76ers president of basketball operations, Daryl Morey. Darrell. Who said he believes Jaden Springer is going to be a really great player. 
but he values a second round pick. But he values what a second round pick can do for his team. If you think Jaden Springer is going to be a great player, he is better than a second round pick. <laughs> what? That's like saying, like, I don't know, like, I really love this food, but or I don't even know. It's, it's just it, a complete oxymoron. That is what I'm trying to say. It's like, how can you say that with a straight face that you value what a second round pick can do for your team more than a great player? Yeah, that was a that was an odd one. <laughs> like, it's absolutely crazy to me, at least. I also thought about throwing this out for worst take of the week, and I'm going to throw it your way just so we can talk about it. Um, Do you see Steven Jackson commented on Austin Rivers comments about Brawny? And oh, said, we didn't talk about the Steven Jackson thing. That was awful. Yeah. He said was that this last week. Yeah, it was like five days ago. OK, that that has to be worth taking. He said, what was it again? And your daddy, not LeBron. Shut up. Difference is you is trash. Bronny not. And you can't compare him to to a scrub. Austin Rivers is way better than Bronny. <laughs> Austin Rivers, I believe, was the number one recruit coming out of high school that he year. Was. He and was. He played on a good Duke team, and he was pretty good at Duke. Yeah, like, Bronny's, like, barely <laughs> seeing the court. He's got the triple single. Yeah. Yeah, no, Austin Rivers was awesome in high school. He was awesome in college. It took him a while in the NBA, but he became a great role player. Yeah, yeah, yeah like I, I mean, don't know why you're coming at Austin Rivers, bro. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Timberwolves legend. Timberwolves legend, Austin Rivers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm good with that being my I want, worst I want, take to, of the I want week. your reaction to the Jalen Brown play because it actually might okay. be the worst take, though. the video this player. is great great podcasting right here i'm watching a video now here i can also try and look it up on here all right are you ready here it is oh wait <laughs> Ooh, that's dirty that's dirty my only thing about it being worse take is i just love the like yeah, I feel like Stephen vitriol so much. I feel like Stephen Jackson deserves a worse take. Yeah, he, like he's a bad take machine. He is a bad take machine, and it's just like so not earned for Bronny to like have anything over Austin Rivers at this point. Like he's shown nothing. Yeah. Well, also, not only not hasn't earned anything to do with Austin Rivers, but also like doesn't. Hasn't doesn't deserve to be caught in the stupid crossfire of yeah. Stephen Jackson and Austin uh, Stephen Jackson being a dick to Austin Rivers for no reason. Like Bronny doesn't deserve to be a part of that discourse. <laughs> that is so, a that is a really good take right there. Like because yeah, like Bronny hasn't done anything like egotistical or anything like that. By all accounts, he seems like a nice, good like teammate, yeah. keeping his head you know down. Like I don't know, just man. playing his role, yeah. just doing what he what he can do. Yeah, like I don't know. All He's right, not Steve even wearing his dad's jersey number because he doesn't want people to know who's his dad is and that's the dead giveaway <laughs> yeah i wonder who this lebron james jr kid is <laughs> he's right. got it he's him he's him he's so him the chosen one all right steven jackson you are the worst take of the week i can't believe i forgot that about that one thank you for bringing that one back up yeah no i i had that one uh bookmarked but i it was lower down on i i do think that daryl morey take is is just a whack take. It was whack. It also, was really it's about Jaden Springer. So who really cares? All right. So Steven Jackson, you are the worst take of the week winner. We will crown the worst take of the month at the end of the month. Thank you guys for watching Foul Trouble. We'll catch you guys on Thursday. Peace.